And so I pray that this message will be touching for each and every one of us at our own level. Because I believe that we are Christians, yes, but we also have different levels of maturity. And that at every different stage, we have to deal with different things that are part of our Christian growth, part of our Christian journey. So Luke chapter 13, I will start from verse 10. Josiah started from verse 11 and I'll start from verse 10. And it says, now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. What was he, to, what was he doing? Where? On what day? Thank you. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and in no way could raise herself up. Verse 12, but when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, woman, you are loose from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her. And how long? Immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Now don't read it too fast. Verse 11 says, And behold there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity for how long? 18 years. And with God's help and your prayers... I want to talk about keep showing up. Keep showing up. Let's pray. Father, in your precious name, I want to thank you for the moving of your spirit that lets us know that you're here this morning. I thank you, Lord, for guiding each and every one of us that we're here in your presence. I thank you, Lord, that you watch over each and every one of us. And that none of us is outside of your view because your word says that you have written our names on the palm of your hands. And that means that you know each and everything that goes on in our lives. And so this morning, Lord, within the next few minutes, I pray that you will empty me of myself. Holy Spirit, take over. Take control, Father in heaven. Speak through me. May your voice be heard. Even though I am standing here today, I am your child, ready for service. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen again. In Luke chapter 13, I believe, the miracle of this woman who was bent over, I believe, has been placed in the word of God to remind us that the church is the place where you ought to be when we are waiting on God to do something in our lives. Now, don't, please don't get it twisted. This is not in any way, shape, or form to suggest that coming to church gives us a right to bargain with God. But you need to allow what you are going through or anything that you are enduring, you should never, never allow it to keep you from showing up 
in God's presence. Amen. I do remember it was 2005, the year 2005, that I painfully became aware that something was wrong with my body. You see, at an early age of 12, I was outside doing what young boys do. Riding my bike, popping wheelies in the air, enjoying myself. And there was a group of young boys who didn't take that kindly. I don't know what provoked them about it. All I know is that they were not happy that I was riding my bike and doing the things that I was doing. And I was not in any way in their space, but they took offense to that. And so, as I went to where I was going on my way back, they challenged me. They said, stop. But you see, by the time I came, the first time I passed by, there were about three of them. By the time I came, there were 16 of them. I said, ha, this ought to be interesting. (laughs) I saw the fear and the adrenaline was in me, and I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. Like every young boy does, should I challenge you? Should I just cow and go home? And finally the spirit in me said, run. You're not going to win with these boys. There's too many of them. And there's only one of you. And so I decided to run. But as I'm running, I looked back. I just wanted to see how far I've outrun them. I looked back just in time for a rock to hit my tooth. I didn't tell mom or dad about it. I went home like every young boy does. Pretended like everything was alright. But oh, years on, that tooth started to hurt. And it cracked. And it became infected. And it became problematic. So much so that when I got to North America a few years later, I had to go to the hospital in Massachusetts, in Boston, Massachusetts, and they said, we have to extract the tooth. I thought, okay, that's the end of it. Everything is good. 2005. Let me say, years leading on to 2005, I noticed that my teeth were shifting. You see, the body knows how to adjust. The body knows when something is missing. The body knows when something is wrong. So, I ended up with gaps where they didn't belong. And slowly by slowly, I was, least, I was starting to lose my smile. I smiled with a little bit of uh, conservatism. I didn't want you to see my teeth. So we went to the, uh, to the orthodontist, and my daughter and I went to the orthodontist, and the orthodontist said, we can fix it. I said, it's not going to be easy. But if you're committed... And if you keep showing up, we'll fix your teeth and you'll be just fine. I wish I could tell you that it it was easy. The next five years, I got to tell you, I endured. (laughs) Those of you who've who've had braces put in, you kind of have an idea of what I'm talking about. There are days when everything is all right. You go in and they adjust that wire. They tighten it a little bit. Ooh. You don't want to (laughs) eat. When somebody says hi to you, you don't want to say hello. (laughs) There's something about your teeth, about being in pain that just 
messes you up. It messes up with your brain. And, and, and for five years, I, I, I had to make a conscientious decision. Do I really want to show back up for more of the pain? I wanted my teeth adjusted. I wanted my smile back. But for me to get to that, I had to go through these five years of grueling adjustments of, uh, of braces and year on and month on and, and live alone that I didn't have all the money and every time I showed up the secretary at the orthodontist office said you owe me money well you can't see the orthodontist today until you pay but I had to keep showing up it was painful but I had to keep showing up sometimes I couldn't eat but I had to keep showing up and it's not until later that I started to see the result. My teeth were adjusted back. But I had to keep showing up. So the revelation of this text in Luke this morning is that you have to keep showing up. But also there's a revelation behind it. Is that by showing up, if you keep showing up, is that you really never know when your prayer will be answered. You know, you, you never know when your door will be opened. Uh, you never know when you'll get your breakthrough. You never know when you'll get healing and deliverance. You really miss the significance of the 18 years, and here it is. In spite of her situation, this woman, for 18 years, she kept going to church. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters in Belleville, her broken spirit never broke her schedule. There may be someone among us this morning who, like this woman, can testify, I'm hurting, but I'm here. Some of us know when they have a headache. I know. I woke up this morning and I had a headache. I said, no, Lord, I, I got to go preach. But for some of us, when you wake up and you have a headache, the temptation is there for you to take a Tylenol or an aspirin and go right back to bed. And no, life has not been made easier by technology. Because now we wake up and say, mm, I don't feel like going to church today. I'm just going to watch it on the internet. But in spite of her pain, in spite of her frustration, in spite of her disappointment, in spite of her aggravation, her limitations, and her misery, she kept showing up. She was dedicated to the day of the Lord in spite of her difficulties. She was dedicated to the day of the Lord in spite of her hurts. And the reason you, you and I have to tune in this morning is because like this woman, many of us feel that we are suffering and God is doing nothing but looking on. Her story is our story all over again. And would you not believe it, my brothers and sisters, even in this church this morning, here in this room at Belleville, in the midst of our amens and praise the Lord's, uh, some people are hurting. Would you believe that in the midst of praising people are some painful problems? Uh, 
in every crowd of Sabbath saints, there will always be some silent sufferers who smile at you and greet you with happy Sabbath. And yet, they are in pain. You would not probably believe this, Belleville, but it may be that at, on your pew right now, somebody sitting right next to you, somebody is celebrating on the outside but crying on the inside. There may be right now someone who looks like they're at peace, but their mind is in turmoil. And the reason some of us don't say anything is because we are really good at masquerading our misery. We are good at coming to church with smiles on our face, but with pains in our hearts. I don't know whom I'm talking to at Belleville, but I can promise you, and, there, and I know that there is someone here this morning who has been dealing with something so deep and for so long that you have all but given up the thought that anything might change. There is someone here this morning to whom a delay in your deliverance has cost you discouragement about your deliverance. I know how it feels. I've taken it upon myself. At work, wherever I am, I want Christ to shine in me. And sometimes that means that you have to masquerade your own pain in order to encourage somebody else that you can see is going through difficulties. But I came all the way to tell you, I don't care how long you have been dealing with what you're dealing with. Keep showing up. No matter how heavy the burden you've been carrying, keep showing up. Why? Because you never know when you will experience the presence of God. You never know when you will get that need of yours met. And so there are three things in the text that I would like to highlight this morning. Number one, you have to keep showing up because church will give you a peace of mind. Somebody say amen. What coming to church will do for you is to give you peace and relief in your pain until God decides to minister to your pain. I am willing to bet you that this woman was the subject of many discussions in that congregation because of the position that she was in. Look at the text. It says for 18 years, this woman, her back was bent, almost double. I want you to imagine for a second, try to imagine living life in a bent position where you cannot stand up. You cannot look at somebody in the eye. Which means unlike you and myself, she does not have the benefits of normal life. She could not shop like you ladies could. She could not go to her manicure and pedicure. She could not have her eyebrows done. She did not have the activities of a normal life. But <laughs> the amen of this text is that what had her bent did not break, did not have her broken. Amen. Other people may have stared at her, but she kept showing up. Church members got in her way, but she kept showing up. Church, some church members might have kept pushing her to the side. Remember, they believed those days that anything that you go through, any physical infirmity that you go through is because you or your parents had done something. But she kept showing up. 
They ignored her, but she kept showing up. They refused to help her, but she kept showing up. They would not talk to her, but still she kept showing up. Perhaps there's a lesson here for us to learn. That being crippled, but this physical disability, being being crippled, but this physical disability does not contaminate her spiritual commitment. I don't know how many times I've talked to people who say, you know what, so and so messed me up so bad, I don't feel like worshipping with them anymore. Really? Who are you worshipping? Amen. I want to assure you something. If there was an attendance record being taken and being read out loud like it was done back then in Africa, in my native Kenya, they would do it every Sabbath. They would take an attendance record and the, the next Sabbath they would read out who showed up at church. and You know, that, that was a normal thing. But I want to tell you, if those were the days, I guarantee you these women would have shown up on a perfect attendance record. Her problems did not prevent her praise. She's bowed over. You gotta get this. She's bowed over, which means she lives in a constant posture of forced humility. When she walks around, she cannot see the trees. She can't see the stars and the sky like some of us do. When I wake up in the morning, the first thing I want to see, I want to see the patterns in the sky. If I were to show you my phone, my phone is full of pictures of sunrise and, and sunset because those are the beautiful things that God sends us that we sometimes forget to enjoy. But I want to tell you something. She cannot see the different birds that chirp and sing in the air. She cannot enjoy the evening sunsets. She walks as if she's looking for mud, worms and bugs. But her presence in the right place means that her perspective was in the right place. Amen. Don't miss this. She cannot see her way. But her presence means that her eyes were on the Lord. So by the fact that she kept showing up, she was in essence saying, I am watching. I am worshiping. I am waiting for God to show up for me. In her heart, at her conviction, she was saying, I believe if I keep showing up, sooner or later, God will show up. Now, I've told you before that I go to work by bus. Okay? I go to work by bus. The bus has a schedule. If I decide to sleep in and decide that I'm going to show up whenever I feel like it, chances are I'm going to miss that bus. For the bus to be able to pick me up and get me to work when I need to be there means that I have to be, number one, there, and number two, I have to be on time, and number three, I have to have a what? A ticket purchased for me to get on the bus. And so how will you get your blessing? How will you get your healing? How will you get your breakthrough if you choose not to show up at church? All of us in here, Belleville, have been weighed down by some stuff. Some of us are not in the shape we could be in. I know, I'm getting old, I could tell you that. Yesterday I went for a Christmas party in Toronto. And I reminded myself how much I hate being in downtown Toronto. 
I didn't have the right shoes on. And I had to walk. I told my wife last night, I don't remember ever feeling like I was getting old, but I'm getting there. My feet hurt. I sat at home and I was wincing. I was like, ouch, <laughs> this hurts, right? <laughs> but we're all weighted down with something. We may, we're not in the shape we could be in, as should be in. We're always looking down on something. But the revelation this morning is, keep showing up. Tell yourself, I have to keep looking up. It doesn't matter how bad it is. Keep looking up. But here's an issue. The real problem was not that her, it was not in her body. The word says that it was in her mind, right? Look at the, look, the book of Luke again. Look at that verse 11. What does verse 11 say? Verse 11 says what? And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity. So the real disability was in her spirit. Something in her spirit had her bent over. She was under the attack of the devil. Because here's how the enemy works. He comes one way to attack you another way. Remember in the Garden of Eden? He didn't show up as a devil. Why? Because that would be too easy. Then you could identify him. What did he show up as? He showed up as a snake. Now I'm glad that that was not my wife because my wife doesn't like snakes. Even just a mere mention of snakes, my wife runs. And I have to deal with nights of nightmares. She has nightmares when she thinks about snakes. But the devil chose the snake as the medium to which he would approach you. So the reason why some of us can't say anything is because the enemy has often got, our, got to our spirit. But by the grace of God, we need to refuse to let the devil keep us down. Yes, you will not keep the, the, the devil from getting to your spirit. I wish I could tell you that it was easy. No, it's not easy. But in spite of the trouble, in spite of the difficulties, be it a, a disease, an ailment, trouble on your job, trouble with your finances, or trouble in your marriage, we need to say individually, I refuse to let the devil keep me down. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Nothing is as bad as what happens to you as how you handle what happens to you. I believe it's Chuck Swindoll uh, who said that, uh, the famous preacher who said, I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. In other words, something happens, but what, what happens when it does happen to you what happens when it, when it happens to you is worse. The, so, so your spirit, the spirit that you approach the issue with is worse than what actually happens to you. Because some things we have no control over. Let's face it, right? Am I speaking to somebody here who knows what I'm talking about? Some things you have no control over. You have no control over somebody who will cross your path the wrong way. You have no control over what somebody will say to you. But you have control of how you react to that person. So I got a question for you, Belleville. Have you become negative and always complaining? Or are you positive and thankful? I have lived long enough to know that when you cannot thank God for what you want, you have to learn to thank him that things are not as bad 
that things are going as well as they're going right now. Why? Because remember, it could always be worse. A quote by Charles Sindol says, we must cease striving and trust God to provide what he thinks is best. <laughs> That's a hard one for me. I'll be the first one to tell you. And in whatever time he chooses to make it available. So number one, we're trusting God to provide what is best. And number two, we are trusting God's timing. Because I believe that as human beings, that's one of the issues that we struggle with. We want what we want when we want it and how we want it exactly the way we want it. But he's saying this. This kind of trusting doesn't come naturally. Mm -mm, no, it's a spiritual crisis of the will in which we must choose to exercise faith. Because no matter what is going on around you, you have to believe that God can and will fix it. We have to believe that God will fix it at his own time. So no matter what is going on in your life, you got to believe that God can turn it around. Amen. You know what faith is? Faith is declaring that it's getting better even though it remains the same. Trouble may come my way and I may have to lay awake at night at times like I do sometimes. But I know that Jesus will fix it in a while. Keep showing up. Keep showing up because number two, point number two, I told you I had three points. You will find comfort in his plan. You will find comfort in his plan. You will find comfort in his plan because how many of us today would come to church for 18 years with the same problem, praying about the same thing, day in, day out, watching people, looking at us funny, and still keep showing up? I will admit, <laughs> some people wouldn't even show up for 18 days. But for 18 years, this woman's faithfulness means she believed her breakthrough was coming when God was ready. But until she purposed in her heart that I'm going to keep, and until that she purposed in her heart that I'm going to keep coming back. I am going to keep showing up. I am coming to church until I receive my breakthrough. You see, with God, everything is about timing. You can be confused. And bamboozled by this stuff you hear on the radio and see on TV. With these prosperity preachers talking about you can claim it. <laughs> you can name it. You can grab it. You can slab it. Call it. Haul it. And it's yours. No, no, no. Ultimately, it's God's timing. Don't forget that. Because with God, there is only a season of deliverance. Uh, but also there is also a time of delay. Now that's what messes us up as human beings. When God delays, and we're thinking in our will that, you know what, I've done pretty well. I'm a good Christian. I go to church. Surely God will do it for me. And for some of us, we're in the season of delay. And you're trying to force your deliverance. Let me help you on this one. If you're in the season of delay... It's not a matter of if God can. It's a matter of if God will. And just because he hasn't doesn't mean that he won't and he cannot. And even if he doesn't, he is still able 
Amen. He is still able. If you don't get your healing today, he is still able. If you don't get your breakfast this morning, he is still able. If you do not get your deliverance today, he is still able. Every Sabbath, this woman in her condition showed up at church. So here's the point. The way you feel about the Sabbath is a sign of the state of your soul. Oh, <laughs> it went quite fairly quickly. <laughs> the way you feel about the Sabbath is perhaps a sign of the state of your soul. If you don't like the Sabbath, you're not going to like heaven because heaven will be like an eternal Sabbath. Amen, somebody. And my brothers and sisters, if you can't enjoy God for a few hours on Sabbath, <laughs> then perhaps you're not ready to go to heaven. You see, worship is not real until you can do it wholeheartedly and not knowing what you're going to get out of it. There is no guarantees that coming to church will give you something. There is no guarantees that your problems will be resolved. But you have to keep showing up. Can you worship God even though you might not even get what you want? But you have a heart of praise. Is it possible to do that? Oh yes, it is possible. Some people may have delayed deliverance because they stayed at home. That is why you have to come to church. Because you never know when your time will come. This woman, the Bible says, has been coming for 18 years and not a whole lot of help, not got a whole lot of help. But all on that day, the daughter of God came to the house of God to be with the people of God and receive the word of God. But all she met the Son of God. The Bible says about Jesus, even when you don't see him, he sees you. Remember this woman was bent over. You remember that? This woman was bent over. But Jesus called her out. She didn't call on Jesus. She probably didn't know that Jesus was there. But Jesus saw her. He laid his hands on her. And don't miss this. He fixed what was bent. A story is told of a guy who was driving his car and got in a wreck with another car and tore up his car pretty badly. While they were waiting on a wrecker and the police, another passerby, pulled up and said to him, you ought to collect some damage. He looked at her and said, lady, I've got enough damage. Or, you know, what I need is some repairs. Like myself this morning, I believe there are some people in Belleville who need some repairs. And you're not too proud to admit and let somebody know you've got some damage. Life has handed you some damage. Life has dealt you some difficulties. God, God is there to fix those damages because God is a fixer. The only thing is you have to be willing to wait on his time. There has to be a difference between coming to church and worship. I don't know you well enough to understand your current situation. And you don't know me either. But one thing I know is this. Praise may not change your situation or circumstances. But don't let the situation change your praise. Lift up your heart and let your hands 
lift up, lift up your hands and shout hallelujah anyhow. Don't miss this, please. Read the Bible. She says, she never says a word. Look at, look at your Bible again. Look at that verse again. She didn't say a word. But she gets healed. And yet she never said a word. So let me tell you something. If God will do this for someone who has not said anything, what do you think he'll do for his child who calls upon his name? Amen, somebody. What do you think he'll do? Because prayer changes things. I can tell you that. The song that I love to sing says, He's only a prayer away. Another song says, Let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our troubles. And what will he do? He will hear our faintest cry. And he will answer by and by. Prayer changes things. Prayer will fix it. One more thing. She was in church. He calls her out because he wanted to use her as evidence. The same today. Someone in your life needs some evidence. The same today. Somebody who does not know God, who does not have that relationship, need to see what God has done in your life. They want, need to know what favor feels like. They need to know what God's grace feels like. They will know what a breakthrough feels like because you are the evidence of what God can do. So number three. You've got to keep showing up because you've got to celebrate his performance. In verse 13, he lays his hand on her and she's healed. But look at verse 14. Look at verse 14 in your Bible real quick. You see what's happening there? <laughs> I want to highlight this. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore come and he be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. Hmm. She was bound by the spirit of, of infirmity. But this leader does not see that. Mm -mm, no. He was more interested in a day. He was more interested in the pageantries than deliverance. He was more interested in the methods than the movement of the Lord. He was more interested in the procedure than the power of the Holy Spirit. So let me be as clear to you as on this one. And I hope that you won't ask Pastor Evaldo not to invite me back. <laughs> For some of us, but not in Belleville, the order of the service is so set in stone, so much so that we do not want anyone messing with it, not even the Holy Spirit. And since you got here this Sabbath, hours, your prayer has to be, Lord, have your way. Forget about how many songs the choir sang. Forget about what the, how many songs the congregation sang or how long I preached. You just need to say, Lord, have your way. The problem today is that some of us are so heavenly bound. Some of us are so heavenly bound that we forget to be of any earthly good. That we forget to be of any earthly good. So I have to tell you something as we wind down. As we're winding down this morning, I want you to know 
The problem today is that we are coming to church or some of us have been coming so long to church out of habit. We don't expect God to do anything spectacular. We don't expect anything stupendous, amazing. We don't appreciate that God can do something different. Tradition is a clock that tells you what time it was, not what time it is. So don't get upset with me. But God wants you to put the old stuff in the graveyard where it belongs. Because God wants to do something new. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 19 says, Behold, I am doing something what? New. And now it springs forth and you do not perceive it. So don't act like you know what the Holy Spirit will do. That's why we have to remain sensitive to the moving of the Holy Spirit. The word of God in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 9 says, But it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So if you love the Lord, just understand that people will criticize. Even when the Holy Spirit moves, people will criticize. Don't let it hold you back. Keep showing up. Keep showing up. Maybe you are not as bent over as this woman was. Keep showing up. Maybe it's finances that you're dealing with. Keep showing up. Bring your issues to the Lord. Don't worry about who's making noise around you. Because in the very end, it's between you and your God. When God starts moving, I pray that you are ready and receptive to his calling.